Before we dive into today's episode, we want to provide a content warning. The subject matter we'll be discussing may be triggering to some individuals, especially those who have struggled with or are currently managing eating disorders. Throughout this episode, we'll be delving into various aspects of eating disorders, including symptoms and behaviors. We understand that these topics can evoke strong emotions and potentially harmful thoughts or behaviors. If you or someone you know is currently dealing with an eating disorder or any related challenges, we strongly encourage you to prioritize your mental and emotional well-being. It's okay to step away from this episode if you feel overwhelmed at any point. Remember, seeking support from qualified professionals and loved ones is crucial. You are not alone and there is help available. What's up, friends? It's Haley, aka Bird. And Randy. And you're listening to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy, fit, female, and everything in between. It's about pushing back on societal expectations, dismantling the status quo, and celebrating life in the gray area. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to living life any way but your own way. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Give Them the Bird podcast. Haley and Randy here, and we are joined with Stephanie Proud. Stephanie is a registered dietitian and nutrition therapist with over 20 years of experience, and she is also the owner of Proud Peaceful Nutrition, her private practice. Stephanie, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. So why don't we kick it off by you telling us a little bit more about you for folks who are listening and maybe haven't met you yet. I can do that. Um, Oh my gosh, where do I start? So yeah, I've (laughs) been a dietitian for a long time. That makes me feel slightly old. Um, I did all of my training here in Iowa City. So we have lived here for since 2002 um, at the University of Iowa. So I had kind of a long clinical career um, at the hospital and different home infusion pharmacies. And then really in the last three or four years kind of shifted gears um, towards intuitive eating and then into working with eating disorders. So my private practice came out of that. Um, Some was my own personal journey um, with my relationship with food and exercise and also seeing what that was doing to um, the people around me as well, Um, seeing their experiences and how it was was, um, affecting them. And so had a couple colleagues in the field and just like really shifted gears towards wanting to do that. Um, I actually like started as a student doing work in eating disorders when I was in college. Um, So one of the reasons I came here was for that. Um, And then I just actually like discovered a new passion when I started my internship at the hospital and kind of went that route. So so now I'm kind of back to kind of my original passion. So that's been kind of fun to come full circle (laughs) after 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's nice to, you know, just switch it up and and do something different. Um, And so that's been really cool. Um, other things about me, I have two kids, a 16-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, so they keep me very busy with all of their stuff. Um, yeah, my, I'm a dance mom, so my daughters are dancers, not in like a bad way, but in like a good way. We have a fun bunch, um, and then my son plays all kinds of sports, so I love watching them do what they love to do. Um, yeah, what else? Um, I love coffee. And I have an addiction to fuzzy blankets and pillows, um, for sure. 
I am a total dog mom, which I swore I would never be, (laughs) but (laughs) she wore me down. I'm a cat mom too, um, but I'm definitely like more of a dog person now, which is, is weird. Um, and she made me a total walker too. Like I used to like not be a walker and she made me a total walker. So Mm. heart my fur babies as well. Mm. And my husband, we should forget him. We've been married for It'll be 22 years this year. I had to remember that it's 2024. So that seems weird too. Um, yeah, so he's awesome. He's the cook of the family, which is ironic <laughs> um, mm-hmm. since I'm the dietitian, but that's yeah. his love language. So I just clean that's up the fun. wreckage and, and sometimes I cook too, but he's, I will admit he's a, he's a better cook than I am. I'm the baker, <laughs> I'm the baker Ooh. and the cleaner. So yeah, that's, I um, love. I love that he is the cook, despite you being a dietitian, because I feel like when we hear dietitian, it's like, oh, somebody that really likes to cook or like is really good at cooking. And um, I love that, especially being somebody, I'm not a dietitian, but um, I'm definitely not a cook. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you, Stephanie. So I think when I first started like learning about um, intuitive eating and disordered eating, I never knew that there was a difference between like eating disorders and disordered eating. And so I was wondering like if you could kind of clarify for myself too, because I don't think I've ever like truly looked at the differences, but for myself and the listeners, like what is the difference between disordered eating, eating disorders, and what are like the most common types of eating disorders that, that you see? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know. I feel like when I say disordered eating and eating, it's like, cause I'll say I work with clients that have disordered eating and eating disorders. They're like, oh, isn't that the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is, that is kind of crazy. So I always like explain it like there's a spectrum, um, like there is with anything. So you have like, my screen's not very wide, but you're like disordered eating over here. And then over here is like eating disorders. And so it really comes down to like, how much those thoughts and behaviors you're doing are impacting your life in terms of physically, in terms of mental health, um, in terms of, you know, all of those kinds of things in terms of what you choose to do or not to do. Um, so it's really like a scale of severity and frequency, I think. So a lot of, you know, what's considered normalized in diet culture, Um, or fitness culture is actually disordered, but there's plenty of people out there doing it and it's not really, you know, maybe heavily impacting their lives. Well, it probably is, but they don't, you know, realize it at the time. Um, And I would have put myself in that category um, years ago. Um, But when you think about an eating disorder, there's specific diagnostic criteria for that. And it usually has to do with like how often, how long, how severe, and there's usually like more significant uh, mental and physical like consequences from a diagnosed eating disorder. So that's kind of the difference. It's just a spectrum, you know, of, of severity basically. So the disordered eating could be like um, the people out there who are intermittent fasting or like always tracking or weighing themselves every day. That's not eating, but that's kind of like a behavior. Um, Those types of things versus like somebody with a diagnosed eating disorder is much more severe. Maybe they're, you know, 
purging everything they're consuming or heavily restricting to the point where they're having like physical ramifications, um, those types of things. So um, I would say in terms of like types of eating disorders, do you want me to like explain all of them? Like do that? <laughs> I think that would be helpful just to like know like some of the yeah. most common for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it depends like on your practice, I, I, the first thing I will say, I think that it's really important to say is that eating disorders do not have a look. So as soon as you say eating disorder, everyone thinks like emaciated white girl, you know, that's what they think. But the actuality is that eating disorders don't discriminate on race, um, size. They are more common in females than males, but many more males have them than people think they do. Does that makes sense yeah um and so they they don't have a look and as a matter of fact this statistic even kind of surprised me a little bit too because it doesn't always match what i see in my practice but only about six percent of people with eating disorders are what we would consider like really underweight or you might you know would be like the stereotype of what you think an eating disorder is so it's really actually only a small percentage of people that that do fall into that kind of stereotype that i think people have about eating disorders so um probably the most common one that people think of is anorexia which is of course um restriction significant re restriction and definite preoccupation with body weight and shape and so this restriction can have all kinds of mental consequences and physical consequences that can put them in danger. Um, that's probably the one people think of most often. Uh, bulimia would probably be the next one. Um, and so that's a situation where there's regular binge eating episodes, which there's like diagnostic criteria for that. So it has to be within like two hours and they have to feel like a sense of like a loss of control um, in that and like the frequency it's, it's like, um, at least once a week for three months, like there's certain things that go with that. Um, but to go along with it in bulimia, you've got binging and then you have like a compensatory behavior. So they might be vomiting, using laxatives, exercising, um, Haley, I guess we might want to put a giant trigger warning at the beginning of the episode um, for this. But yeah, so it's those types of behaviors. Probably actually the most common eating disorder is binge eating disorder. Um, and that is the binge part of bulimia without the compensation. So that's eating an excessively large amount of food in a defined period of time um, with like a feeling of loss of control around that. Um, so that's that's actually probably the most common one um, is binge eating. I see more anorexia in my practice, and I don't know if that's just the patient population I have. Um, okay, <laughs> listen, <laughs> technology <laughs> is hard. Things are hard today. Um, <laughs> we just got kicked off, basically, our recording with Stephanie. So we have switched recording systems. We're back. Um, so, Stephanie, I believe we kind of got kicked off, left um, hanging when you were um, talking about binge eating disorders and how they differed from um, bulimia, for example. So if you want to start us back up there, that would be great. Gotcha. Oh, I heart technology. It's, it's so... <laughs> special. I like always preface with my clients, like so much is telehealth. I'm like, look, 
I'm a clinician, not like a tech guru, not like any of those things. Like we're all just doing our best here. Mercury (laughs) must be like, Mercury must be retrograde or like in the microwave (laughs) or whatever it is. Like it's it's gotta be it. But yes, whenever you're ready, you can hop back on the, on the bandwagon there. Thank you. Okay. So binge eating. Yes. Um, That's actually the most common um, eating disorder in terms of like percentage of diagnosis. Um, I think I was saying before, I think I tend to see a little bit more, um, anorexia in my practice, but that just might be the type of people that are getting sent to me. Um, I will also say that like for binge eating specifically, there's a lot of shame wrapped up in it. So, so many times people never tell anybody. They don't get help for it. They don't tell their physician. So of the the few people that I um, have worked with recently with that, that was the case. And like, it took them a long time to even like realize that like, I need help for this because they blame it on themselves. They like, they suck. They don't have willpower. What's their problem? Blah, blah, blah. Um, And they just, they just, you know, there's just a lot of shame wrapped up in binge eating, but that is probably one of the more common um, eating disorders. So some other eating disorders that are like less common um, is ARFID, which is Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. So this looks a lot like anorexia. Sorry, but... can you say that slower? Oh, yes. <laughs> ARFID, um, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Food Intake Disorder. Okay, got it. That's why everybody just says ARFID, because that's yes. like long of a name. Who named that? I don't know, but way too long, way too long. Um, So this looks a lot like anorexia, but there's not the focus on body weight and shape. So their motivations are not related to weight, weight loss, you know, body image issues, none of that. Um, So a lot of this can stem from like a negative association that happened with eating when they were younger that's caused trauma. A lot of it is due to like pretty intense anxiety or like OCD behaviors. Um, it's very dependent on the person and kind of a broad range of presentations, but their food issues um, result in them becoming undernourished. So you'll also see this like in my in my past life, I saw this a lot with like people that had chronic GI diseases, gastrointestinal diseases, because they just became very afraid to eat or very afraid of anything they ate making them sick. And so a lot of people are really afraid of having a negative consequence from eating. So they just don't eat a lot of things. Um, so anyways, that's ARFID. Um, a couple other ones, there's like, there's, is a criteria for like, um, eating disorder, other specified feeding and eating disorder, which basically means they like, don't fit the frequency. Like they don't fit something in the diagnostic criteria, like the severity or the frequency. Um, and you'll see, they call it atypical anorexia in this category. I hate that name for it actually, um, because that refers to someone with anorexia who's might be normal weight or in a larger body. So they're not underweight. Um, and so it's still called atypical anorexia right now, but statistically we know that a lot of people with anorexia 
I mean, actually, it's more typical to not be completely um, underweight, statistically speaking. So um, that's in there. There's a couple other like less less typical eating disorders that you don't see very much, um, like pica, where you eat non-food stuff, um, or rumination disorder, which is like repeated regurgitation of food. It's not very common. Um, but yeah, the big ones would be anorexia, bulimia, binge eating. Can you talk about, um, I don't think that it's recognized by the DSM, but orthorexia, I think that one, I'm like, that one comes up a lot um, in terms of, I think people are, you know, this obsession with like clean eating. And I see it a lot on social media, people sharing that like, you know, I was, I was, had experienced orthorexia or, or even people that don't know what orthorexia is, but I'm like, hot diggity dog, there's something going on here. This like obsession with like clean eating and everything. So again, I don't know if it's recognized by the DSM, but is that one that you can just like share a little bit more about? Oh, for sure. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's not in the DSM, but like it's pretty regularly used like in in our in our circle in our world but there are so many people that are like what's that never heard of that so orthorexia is um and then there's another one that i just thought of too that i'll add on at the end um orthorexia yeah is like so ortho is like right so it's like the obsession with eating right or eating clean or eating perfect whatever that there's no such thing as perfect eating that's what i always tell people but it's like so uh, oftentimes it will start as like well-intentioned behavior to eat healthier, um, but where it like, and so there's a lot of like gray area in there, but where it crosses the line is I think where it impacts you in terms of like rigid food rules. Um, I see a lot of like moralizing of foods and then therefore they're like telling themselves they're a bad person if they ate this bad food. Um, I see it a lot in terms of like rigidity like they will not eat at like xyz place or they're the person bringing their own food to the party um eating their own meal prepped meal while their family goes out to eat actually like saw that happen um with somebody at um in my earlier fitness years and she was praised for her willpower and dedication to her plan um, and sat in the car and ate by herself while her family had, uh, went into the Mexican restaurant and ate. Um, so like, that's a point where your obsession with eating in a certain way is like affecting your life in other ways. So mm -hmm. yes, that's orthorexia and you'll see it a lot. Um, I love, um, oh, I'm just going to say it, the fuck it diet. She talks a lot about her journey with orthorexia. Um, even into veganism too, which, you know, mm -hmm. veganism for the right reasons, totally fine. You know, if it's a moral ethical thing, but oftentimes it stems from orthorexia too. Mm -hmm. Um, the other eating disorder that's like there, that's not an official DSM is diabulimia, mm -hmm. which is, oh, you know, funny, funny word, but that's for people that have diabetes. Um, they utilize their diabetes, like they will like not take their medications, um, specifically insulin, so they can lose weight and not get that insulin into the cells. And so they're not absorbing. Um, and so that's another big one, especially with like younger girls that have diabetes, but even, even adults, they will manip manipulate their um, diabetes medications mm -hmm. as well. So that gets 
real complicated. Um, yeah. As Randy knows from her former pharmacist self too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm glad uh, that you bring up like the, um, the, or that we talked about the orthorexia, because I think that's showing up a lot too with this kind of obsession with like ingredients and having, you know, minimal, minimally processed and kind of this like pushback on like the food industry and everything. And um, again, at what point does it switch from like just a disordered way of eating to an eating disorder, you know, that I think it's very individual in terms of like and like meeting criteria but that's really common like every time i see it i'm like we're obsessed with these with these ingredients or with these you know substances when really that's just the chemical name for an almond or whatever it is um and so yeah i think that one is becoming more popular and and people just seem more willing to say at least i don't know in my experience or what i've read i feel like it feels a lot less severe to say I experienced orthorexia than like I experienced anorexia, which like maybe that's because there isn't a specific classification or what it is. But yeah, so I think it's it's worth bringing up because I see it. I see that one talked about more online than I do than I do other ones. Well, and I think you can spin orthorexia as like I'm still being healthy, um, but really it's still super disordered. And yeah. you're still, I always. I always talk to clients about it in terms of like, because a lot of people come to me like never having been officially diagnosed, but I always say like, think about like fancy word for it, mind share continuum, but like real word for it, how much brain space does thinking about this take up? Whether you're trying to be healthy, whether you're trying to restrict, whether you feel guilty, like how much of your brain space are these thoughts about food and body plus or minus exercise, like taking up in your daily life because it manifests itself differently for everybody. Um, but, but yeah, when they really get to thinking about it, it's like, how often are you thinking about those things versus being present in other situations mm -hmm. too, whether it's orthorexia or another form of an eating disorder too. And it's, I mean, that's like the number one thing I feel like most people say is like, I just like, want like more brain space. I just don't want to think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, no matter what type of eating disorder they have, it's just like, I just don't want to think about it all the time. Um, and that's, yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. We talked about that on here a couple of times, I think just like how, um, even just disorder eating, not even like the other, you know, the end of the spectrum where you have a diagnosed disorder, but how much brain space it takes up. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's like constant second guessing and guilt yeah. and calculating and yeah, all the things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so we definitely want to move into like talking about your um, work with people and um, your education um, on nutrition. What kind of approach do you take and what are your key messages with people? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think for me, it depends on where the person's at. So I'm very much a like meet them where they're at. So and and I, I do see everybody on that spectrum from like a little disordered or maybe like a really long history of dieting or like a family history of just like 
bad experiences um, and wanting a different way to like someone who's had anorexia for 25 years. So big difference in like how you approach that person, but I always meet them where they're at. Like that's the biggest thing. Um, and to be like realistic with what's going to feel like accessible for them um, in being able to do things. So I get a lot of information, um, build a lot of rapport because it's, it's like, deep down hard stuff. It's not just like, tell me what you eat and this is what you should eat. But it's like really breaking down the like how the things they believe about themselves and their body and food like affect them and and what types of emotions and things are keeping them stuck or making it difficult to make changes. Um, so like for someone with an eating disorder, I focus on a few things. So one of the things is like actually are they getting enough food? Obviously, someone who's restricting is not getting enough food. That's a no-brainer. But a lot of people who binge are binging because they're restricting. And so usually overconsumption always happens as a result of underconsumption somewhere. Um, so for those people, like I had met with one woman and we were talking at like, this was like one of our first meetings at like 7 p.m. Um, and she was kind of running me through the day. And she had had actually no protein that day. And it was 7 p.m. Like she just wasn't like nourishing herself. So like the body's like intense cravings, it's like a survival mechanism, you know? Um, so making sure like adequacy is big. Um, if if they, you know, have an eating disorder, if they're undernourishing, we start by what can we do to start getting you more? So lots of education about um what happens to the body and the brain when it's undernourished. Sometimes that's helpful a little bit at the beginning, but that's like going because when you're so undernourished, like none of that's really getting, getting through. So, um, so I think that's the first thing. And then like ongoing education for people who are like, further along or maybe maybe on the disordered kind of chronic dieting spectrum who've like done all the things and are like over it. Um, we I, I use intuitive eating. So we kind of work through all of those principles, which, oh my gosh, don't tell me to list them all from one to 10 right now. Um, but we, I, I probably could, but they'd probably be out of order. But we kind of work through that. Um, I, I kind of assess like what, because everybody's different, like what are the biggest issues for them in terms of maybe it's food rules or like negative self-talk, maybe it's body image, maybe they have a really rough relationship with exercise, maybe they're just not mindful about their body at all. Um, so we really use um, that model of of nutrition, of nourishing, of self-care um, for those clients. And that's what I teach my eating disorder people too. Once they're like recovered and in a better place, that's like how they relearn how to eat um, is the intuitive eating framework. So yeah, everybody's just so unique in terms of like their background and what, you know, kind of got them to the place they're at and, you know, what they struggle with. So it's really mm -hmm. important to be like, um, you know, customized to like one, like follow this program um, is not going to work for people. Um, like, here we go, eat this. And then like, I'll see you later. Like you need like a lot of follow-up and support. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's like, so refreshing to hear um, because 
I mean, one, I, in previous positions that I've had, I have witnessed like my patients going to see a nutritionist or dietitian and like very first meeting, they're coming out with like a list of, you know, how much carbs, how much fat, how much protein. And it's like, you need to build up that rapport to like be able to really, cause eating and food is such an emotional thing in so many ways, you know, like you mentioned, like family history and, and that, but it can also be tied to like finances and just, which is also an emotional thing. And like building that rapport has got to be so foundational and so important to really, really help people. So I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, in the disordered realm or eating disorders realm, like telling them to do one thing and them being able to do it is like a totally different thing because right. there's just so many thoughts and feelings and stuff going on. So it really sometimes is a lot of like journaling and discussing and like getting into that as far as like, okay, tell me about this. Okay. Tell me what you're feeling about this, like to help them get unstuck. So it's a lot of baby steps. It's a lot of, you know, sometimes just them realizing like, oh, maybe this is like a bigger problem than I thought. I mean, I've definitely had people come thinking like they're probably fine. And then like the more we talk, they're like, oh yeah, I guess I do do that. And I guess I definitely do think that I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, like maybe that's why, like, you know, putting the pieces together. So I also yeah. think it's, I think it's really refreshing that, um, because I hear a lot in my work, students will often disclose way more information to me than they will like a dietitian or a therapist because I'm just the fitness specialist. Like I'm not a clinical type of person. And so I think it's probably really refreshing for people who might be on the fence about meeting with a dietitian to hear that they're not going to leave with like, you have to eat this specific way. Or, you know, if you are diagnosed with an eating disorder, I'm going to make you eat X amount of calories. Like, I think it's so refreshing to hear that there's a lot of other work that takes place that you're willing to meet them where they're at. Because I think that's a fear that keeps a lot of people from seeking out support, especially people struggling with eating disorders. They don't want to be told you just need to eat more. And this is exactly what you need because that's a huge fear. Um, and so I think it's, it's really refreshing to hear you say that you take a different approach than that. Yeah. And, and it, it is hard. Like I'm going to tell them they need to eat more usually, sure. but like, <laughs> the difference between doing that and like guiding them through that. And what does that look like? And where can we start and like celebrating wins. And the other thing I think that is huge that I don't think always comes through in like normal medical care, maybe it's just because I hang out with so many therapists, but it's just the theme, like big theme of like compassion for yourself. But like, also there's zero judgment. Like I think so often dietitians have this, like, which I've, never been that way. I've never jived with that, but they have this like food police, like judgy persona about them or like, I'm going to, you know, be like, oh my gosh, you do what? You know, like there's none of that. Like, so I always make sure that they know it's a safe place. Um, you know, there's never judgment. There's, you know, ever, ever. Um, Cause I think a lot of people have either had prior experiences that were not positive maybe, or they just have this notion of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go. And she's going to think I'm crazy for doing all these things. She's going to tell me how messed up I am. And like, then she's gonna tell me I have to do like X, Y, Z. Um, and that's not how it works. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, 
good thing. Lots of grace over here. <laughs> I I just had a met with a student yesterday for fitness and she had never been to like a personal trainer or a fitness specialist before. And she told me, she goes, I was so nervous to meet with you because she thought that I was going to be like a, you know, a bro, like telling her like, yeah, so you just need to do more push-ups. And <laughs> You know, like the toxic, like I was going to reinforce toxic fitness messages. And she was like, this was so nice. And I'm like, yeah, I love it when, you know, like even in fitness, people have this idea because of what we see online or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not that. And I love not being that. Um, so yeah, I, yes. agree. I love, I love the approach you take. Um, I'm curious for listeners who might feel like they're maybe, well, kind of a two-part question. What might be some maybe red flags for listeners um, or like specific signs or behaviors that they might have, they might maybe need to seek out additional support? Um, and then second half of that question, which I can always repeat, um, what might be some tips or advice that you would have for people who feel like they might need support. Does that make sense? Yes. Gotcha. You might have to repeat that second That's part. Okay, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get it. Red flags. <laughs> um, red flags. So I think, you know, for the person, I think like I said before, like if you feel like your thoughts like are just being consumed with food, body, exercise, I think that's a red flag. And most people will notice that. Um, I think if you're feeling stress or anxiety surrounding mealtimes um, or after mealtimes, I think that's a big one. Um, I would also say, and sometimes people don't notice, but the people around them notice this. If you're not experiencing joy in things you once were, if you are um, sort of like a little numb emotionally. And again, it's normally not the person that notices it, but the people around them kind of notice they're withdrawn. That's a red flag for sure, especially like in teenagers. Um, you know, if you are relying on like external information for validation, whether it's like my fitness pal or the scale or whatever, if those really influence how you're feeling that day, that's a red flag. Um, physical things that are a red flag would be like dizzy, um, feeling weak, feeling foggy, like brain fog, like concentrating. Um, those are big things um, as far as like physical red flags too. Those would be like the big ones that I would think of. There's probably like a million. Right, right. Those, those are the big ones that I would think of. Um, and then you said in terms of like, if you think you have tips, tips and tricks, yeah. Yeah. Like if, if anyone is feeling, you know, through listening to maybe you talk about like defining different eating disorders or just talking about like what disordered eating is or hearing some of those red flags, if they're like, huh, that feels like me. What, what might you recommend them do? Whether it's, you know, first steps that they can take at home or like, obviously think about meeting with you yourself. Um, but yeah, what might be some, some initial steps that they could maybe take to get support? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of really good online supports, like the Alliance for Eating Disorders is a really good one. Um, there, so there's tons of good online support. Um, Eating Disorder Coalition of Iowa, I'll just plug them <laughs> as well, is a really good support and resource. They have a list of providers on there. Um, pretty soon we're going to have a text 
um, text thing where you can like text for information and support. So that's awesome. And um, so EDCI, the Eating Disorder Coalition of Iowa is, is good. Um, I would also, I think the one thing that I recommend is really like confiding in a support person about it. Um, so many people are just so afraid to do that because of like the stigma associated with eating disorders, but really just being able to talk to another person about it, um, whether that's, you know, a spouse, a good friend, maybe it's if you already have a therapist, that would be really good. I mean, I think a lot of my referrals are from therapists, like where this, these things um, come out in session. Um, so really just sharing about it. I think, you know, knowing that you're not alone in that issue can make a huge difference because there are so many people that feel like it's just a them problem and like nobody else is like experiencing that thing. And so I think just sharing that is good. And I think yeah, reaching out for help is like the hardest, hardest thing, but like the most important um, thing, you know, first step that you can do. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. And so you mentioned um, EDCI and it reminded me that you are, you're talking at the, is that's in March, right? You're doing yeah, yeah. in March. Yeah. The, the conference in March. Um, how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I have my like whole outline done. Um, I'm just like getting into the time suck of put making slides in Canva, which anyone that ever uses Canva knows there's like it just takes forever because there's so many options, like how to make it look nice and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm in that phase right now, but I'm also in the phase of like, um, so if you don't know, like you probably know, but um, Regan Chastain is the keynote for like the whole provider day before. And then she's speaking the morning of like the community workshop day. And that's when I'm speaking. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I have to get on the stage after her. Like she's so good. And like, I mean, like literally she speaks and researches for her job and like advocates and she's amazing. And like, yeah, so I'm having a little bit of like, why did I sign up for that? Why did I just sign up to go up after her? Oh my God. Um, I think it'll, I think it'll be good. You, so you will be amazing. And it's interesting because <laughs> that week is national, well, I guess we're recording this ahead of time, but this will be released during Need a Week, which isn't it that la the last week of February? Um, like February 26th to yeah. March 1st. Yeah, that last week. Yeah. And so that Tuesday, um, so technically when this is released, it'll be tomorrow, um, Reagan Chastain is actually doing a talk at the University of Iowa. And in the morning, she's speaking with Student Wellness, which is the department that um, I'm part of, and then Student Health and Counseling Services. Um, but yeah, she's going to be on campus all day. And then on Friday, she goes to Des Moines and then she speaks on Saturday and you speak after. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I know that one of the reasons that we're releasing this episode uh, when we are is because I wanted you to talk a little bit more about Need a Week um, and yeah, what it is and just to kind of help raise awareness about it. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, Eating Disorder Awareness Week, oh my gosh, or we've been calling it EDA for in EDCI for, for short, um, you know, every year. And that's kind of, so there's a spring conference each year for that um, locally, but every year just raises awareness 
um, about eating disorders, um, about resources for people for treatment. Um, and so I think that's really awesome. Um, there's a theme every year. I think this one is like unity. I do not have it in front of me. I'm not prepared. Like unity and connection or something like that. Um, so there's kind of like a different theme every year. Um, and so I, I think it's just a really nice time to kind of highlight like a little bit of the things we've been talking about, like eating disorders don't have a look, like just some of the common misconceptions about eating disorders. Um, Reagan is going to be talking all about weight stigma, which I think is awesome. Um, and that's definitely one of those things that is, and fat phobia, which is alive and well. Um, well, it's not well, but it is alive and active in in the world, in the like diet culture, crazy world we live in. Um, and really how that impacts healthcare, but also like how it impacts, um, you know, eating disorders, like incidents of eating disorders and how also sometimes how you see that in treatment too. So I think that's like just a really important discussion to have, especially at the university with so many, like not only young students, but young students who are going into healthcare too, that they are um, more aware of that. And she's just so research and so like everything is just so research-based and just well-educated and like she's just awesome mm -hmm. so and I think she's like I think she'll be like pretty pretty um entertaining to listen to like from a speaking standpoint I think she's pretty engaging too so I'm excited I'm excited for Friday <laughs> oh Randy you're muted oh <laughs> technology grief. I'm like, why are they listening to me? Oh, oh no, Randy's been trying to talk this whole time. He's she's jerks. Like, he's like, bird, shut up. Love <laughs> okay. First question. Um, Reagan Chastain, for those of us that don't know her, can can you fill me in on, on this this person that sounds so amazing? Yes. Oh boy, you can help me, Haley too. Um, she is a writer and an advocate. She does a ton of work in the weight stigma, um, kind of fat phobia advocacy range. She is a researcher. Um, fun fact, she's also a certified personal trainer. She um, has done marathons. She's a dancer as well. Um, so like just, just a lot of really cool things about her, but she does a ton of work, I think with healthcare professionals, um, and other people, like particularly about like weight stigma and the effects, um, of that. She, um, lives in a larger body. So this is like a cause that's very like, you know, her entire life has kind of led up to doing this work, but like, um, her Substack is awesome too. Like her Substack newsletter, like she has her own folder in my email account that I like save her, um, stuff. Cause it's, it's just like, you know, you never know when you might need to like pull out that bit of goodness. So yeah, she, I like, I love that she's like so practical, um, and really like realistic take on like, what does the research actually show? And like, yeah, she calls out a lot of biases, um, like in the research too, and, and, um, conflicts of interest and that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, her, I know I heard her uh, mention her, but I just, I never really knew who she was. So she's the one you might hear my dogs barking, by the way, she, my husband just got home. Um, she's the one Brady, in our episode that we talked about, uh, like having a healthcare appointment and like wanting to let them know that we yes. don't want to be weight or whatever. We, I referred to her like action guide. Um, yes. Okay. So that I knew was, there was something I was calling back to that was yeah. 
Yeah, that was that was many episodes ago, but um, yeah, we kind of talked a little better then. But yeah, that was a good overview. She's really she's incredible, and I'm I'm so pumped that she's going to be speaking on campus. Um, and again, during so it's it's Eating Disorder Awareness Week, E D A W. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I always say Need a Week. I don't know if that's a different week. Is that a different week? Um, it might be. I mean, Need it to me is. Well, National Eating Source Association. Maybe their week is different, though. I don't know. Um, but either way, yeah, it's, it's an yeah, important. It's usually raising awareness <laughs> about eating disorders. Yeah. <laughs> um, where? Uh, so I want I want you to share a little bit more about like your practice in terms of if like are you taking clients right now or where people can le- continue to learn from you if they want to get connected with you where they can do that at all the things. Yeah. Um, I am taking clients right now, so we're not, I'm still like feeling out what's fully booked for my life, but I am um, taking some clients. And so you can learn a little bit more on my website. It's www.proudpeacefulnutrition.com. So there's a little bit more about me on there. Some of Randy's beautiful photos as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there's also like information. You can schedule like a free call. Um, I'm like a firm believer in being able to like chat with someone and get your questions answered and like make sure it's a good fit before you are like, yes, help me. Um, so you can do that. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, proud under, I to think about it for a minute. <laughs> proud, I never type my own handle. Uh, proud underscore peaceful underscore nutrition um, on Instagram. So yes, I, I work with people of all ages. Some people ask me if I see kids. I do see adolescents and teens. I love teenagers, Mm -hmm. Um, college kids, adults. So I kind of see the gamut, but I I do kind of have a special place for like the teenagers and college kids, Mm -hmm. Um, probably because I have a teenager and college kids are fun. And I love like getting to work with people like when they're young, because that's just like so much less that they will have to battle like for the rest of their life versus being 50 and you've suffered for decades, you know? So I, I feel like that's pretty fun. Mm. They keep me up. <laughs> I know. I, well, okay. It's so, it's so crazy when you, when I read your bio and I was like, you've been at this for 20 years. Like when I saw you in person, I think I told Randy when I saw you at the um, conference, the EDCI conference last, uh, last fall or whatever, I met you for the first time and I was like, oh my God. Um, I think I told Randy, I was like, she's like really beautiful <laughs> and we don't like uh-huh. have no comment on like looks or anything. But I remember I told Randy, I'm like, like really pretty. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I said something creepy. Um, Randy will be like, she can't keep her eyes open for a picture, oh, which is that's true. Also true. <laughs> really? oh my God, that's so I, I'm that girl. Oh, I am not photogenic. Like, <laughs> You're very photogenic. Oh You're my God. Blink a lot. So- Blink a lot. No, I'm rocking 43, so that's cool. I know sometimes I'm like, how how did I get a teenager? Like I can't put, huh? Like it's so weird. It go. I hate. I really hate the saying. It goes so fast, but it really does. And then mm-hmm. it's like, how did I get here? What's going on? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but I. I mean, I still still feel like old in my field, but new in this area, newer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. So, like, it was just such a good such a good change and something I feel so passionate about just like 
changing the narrative here. Like, just like you, Haley, like, I love that. We gotta, we gotta stick together. Um, cause yeah, don't you feel like sometimes it's, it's a, it's an uphill climb for sure. Yeah. I mean, I literally just posted on, um, and again, once this episode comes out, it will be like two weeks past, but I just posted on my stories on Instagram that, you know, I was watching like the Iowa women's basketball game and every single commercial break included this advertisement for an injectable weight loss drug and just how frustrating. Women's basketball. Yeah. It, what's it watching called? Women's, you said men's. Oh, you, men's? men's basketball. Women's basketball. No one, no one watches that. <laughs> That's so bad. Nobody's yeah. watching the men. Thank you, Randy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was watching the Iowa women's basketball game and uh, I watched it like both with the, it was the commercials on for the Maryland game and then also the Penn State game last night. Every single commercial break included this advertisement for this injectable weight loss drug. And I caught myself thinking last, yeah, last game when they were playing Maryland, I told Tyler, I'm like, it pisses me off because we're seeing this surge in women's sports, especially like women's college ba college basketball and um there's there's this emphasis on like how there's so many more young girls like caitlin clark is getting so many more people interested in the game and like young girls and young women and just people you know all over and it just makes me so mad that at the same time as we're seeing that and promoting that every single commercial break is talking about an injectable weight loss drug and it just so exactly your point like sometimes it feels like we're doing all this good we're doing this good and then I see something like that and I'm like ugh, like two steps back like why are we doing this so I completely agree with you a strength in numbers we got to stick together and just continue to you know make the, make the message louder Caitlin Clark if you're listening please tell them to get rid of <laughs> the yeah, injectable right? could she Sorry. make that happen so I have to tell you about this I have to tell you about this this dream that I had because um, we were watching, I think it was the Maryland game. And actually a friend of ours is like, all of a sudden my husband is like, oh, look, um, a friend of ours is her security detail. Like he's an officer. And I'm like, oh, that's your friend. I was like, what? that's amazing. I didn't even know he was back to police work because he had left it for a while and came back. So I was like, oh my gosh. So we had this whole talk about whatever. And I've been getting, um, you know, working with the UI dietitians um, on just some referrals if there's a wait list and like there's too many people and not not enough of them. So like I've been getting some, um, you know, UI athletic referrals and stuff. Anyways, I had a dream that they referred Caitlin Clark to me. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, she's fine. Like, she's on fire. But they were like, you know. And so I had to like, I had to have security detail and like sign all this paperwork, like, you know, non-disclosure, like sign my life away. Like nobody can know about this because she's the goat. Um, oh. But she like, was really struggling. And I mean, I'm sure she's not. I'm sorry if she is, I'll help her. Um, but like, it was all these things become like, I had to be like escorted in and out and like, nobody could know um, kind of thing. And, and yes. And so my friend was there on like her security detail and I was like, oh, hey, like, that's oh wild. I, I know. I was like, oh, you know, I, I hope she's never a patient, but <laughs> also I'd be fangirling <laughs> the whole time. So <laughs> where, where do these dreams come from? How funny. What a funny dream. Dreams are something else. We could have we need to have a whole episode on dreams, Randy. I don't know. Really good. Oh gosh. I, I have the wild ones. I have the strangest dreams. Anywho, we are yeah, I got us so off topic. Um <laughs> 
But hey, this has been incredible. Randy, what what questions or or even Stephanie, like what sort of things did we forget that we that we want to talk about before we before you leave us? Um, right now I'm doing a book club plus Bible study. So one thing that I should have included about myself, but I didn't um, for those that like might find that helpful is that I'm a Christian provider too. So <clears throat> I do a lot of work with like a Christian Christian counseling agency in the area, like for faith-based um, therapy. So obviously that's not a requirement for clients, but if it's something that like resonates with them, that's definitely something we use as part of their like healing journey, um, as well as being able to use their faith in recovery. So I should include that about myself because that's very important. Um, but that like doesn't exclude anybody either. Um, so anyways, I'm doing a book club right now, plus Bible study on breaking free from body shame, which is um, a really great book. And so that's been going really well. It's been really fun. Um, but I'm just kind of ex experimenting, I guess, if you will, with like different um, different options for, you know, in-person, virtual. But I think like a monthly body support, body image type group would be kind of fun. And like maybe different topics each time. Um, so I'm just kind of feeling that out. But I'm kind of feeling like that would be um, fun to start. So, yeah. Be awesome. Yeah. So that's that. That's, <clears throat> Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of something I've been thinking of. And um, I always have like a little stash of, you know, things, <laughs> things in my brain that's like, oh, that would be really cool to do like a training on that um, or something as far as that goes. But yeah, I'm trying to think like other um, big takeaways. I mean, I gosh, there's just so much out there, you mm -hmm. guys, that's like in the in the universe of like myths and like things, <laughs> things not to do. Um, but I, I guess I think just the biggest one for people is just like food should be fun and like food should be enjoyable. I mean, obviously, yes, food still fuels your body, but it shouldn't be a source of stress. Um, you shouldn't hate yourself. Um, you shouldn't try to control everything about yourself. So if you're feeling any of that, um, it's a good idea to get help. And like, you don't have to be like, again, later, there's not a look. Um, you don't have to be a certain level of sick to get help. I think a lot of people think they're not sick enough. There's a whole book titled Sick Enough <laughs> um, about eating disorders. And like, there's no requirement for you um, to be able to take a step back and be like, I really think I need to like reevaluate my relationship with food here. So you know what it was for me? I'll just share this personal thing about me. Um, this was years ago and Randy will identify with this very, maybe Haley too, uh, very into the My Fitness Pal food tracking and food logs and food records, which in hindsight, I'm like, I'm a freaking dietitian. Why was I listening to anybody else about what I should be eating? Right. Duh. Um, but there I was and I had gotten home from work and my husband, the cook, you know, had made this new recipe for dinner and it looked really good. And he actually never follows a real recipe. Like he kind of does, but not really. And so instead of being like grateful that he made this yummy dinner, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to log this into my fitness pal? You didn't even follow the recipe. And it takes forever to like put a recipe in there and figure out the servings. Cause like count on a dietitian to make sure that food log is like exactly accurate at the time. And so like, and in that I was like, 
really? Like, you know, I couldn't even like just enjoy a dinner that, that my husband made because I was worried about like how it was going to look and you know, what was, what was it going to look like? And yeah. And I spent way too much time doing that. So that was the beginning of the end for me. Um, what in the world? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of brain space spent and like just totally bizarre reactions to things. I've definitely been there. So (laughs) husband just made a really yummy dinner and yeah, Yeah. I think I spent longer calculating it and getting it into the software than it took to eat it and clean it up. So that was, you know, um, so yeah, there's, there's just always those things, but yeah, even if it's something like that, I think being able to pursue health and fitness too, without, um, that focus on like fixing, changing your body is huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really hard. And Haley, for you too, like it's so hard to engage in exercise separate from food or dieting or, you know, just like they're so like this. And so, yeah. yeah. I really like the the idea of like, if, if you have any inclination at all that you might need support, seek out support, you know, mm-hmm. or like schedule a call with you. Like, I think that that's even just to talk to a professional and be like, okay, here's what I'm experiencing. And for that trusted professional to be like, okay, you know, this might be going on. Um, maybe we could work together or maybe just to provide you with resources or maybe to connect you with somebody else. Like my, I just always say err on the side of caution and um, it's not going to hurt at all to connect with someone. In fact, it, it, unless it's, you know, not a good person to connect with. But if anything, it's probably going to, you know, support support your recovery, support your relationship and just make you feel better overall. So um, I always yeah. like to always like to highlight that. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's like, you know, people are afraid to reach out because then they think they're going to be sucked in and are like, get sold something or like, I always hate it when the PT or, although that's usually necessary, your chiropractor is like, you have to come back like so many times a week for blah, blah, blah. And you're, then you're like, oh my gosh. Um, but it, yeah, it's totally not like that. It could be, could be whatever works the best or whatever that person needs. Like you said, it could just be resources. It could be just like a professional opinion, or it could be like, yeah, I think we really need to work together. Um, so again, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us and staying with us with some technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> I think this is really important information for listeners listeners to hear, and um, it it just it feels a lot different coming from somebody who sees this every single day and is kind of in the throes of it, working with folks who are you know actively seeking recovery. Um, and so, thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise with us. Yes. Thank you, ladies. Keep up the good fight. (laughs) Yay! Thanks for tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, head on over to Apple iTunes or Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Give Them the Bird podcast to stay up to date with all things GTB. We'll see you back here next week for another episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird.